0: Coast, so good to see you, so glad that you're in church this weekend. Uh, my name is Josh Surratt, I serve as a lead pastor here at Seacoast, and just so grateful uh, to have you guys with us this weekend. I want to welcome all of you who are joining us at one of our locations, or those of you joining online. You know, about 50% of our church continues to worship online, and that's great, I'm glad we have that opportunity and platform for you guys to use. Look forward to everybody being back in the building, although it kind of feels that way in this campus uh, Today, But uh, we're so grateful for you, and I just want to encourage you, those of you that are watching online or in this building, don't, don't waste this opportunity. I got a great text a couple weeks ago, the weekend that Tim Tebow spoke here at Seacoast. I got a text that Sunday afternoon from a mom, and she was so excited. She said, I, I, I got to tell you this story. My 14-year-old son, we knew Tim Tebow was speaking, so we invited a bunch of his friends to spend the night on the night before, and then that Sunday morning, she cooked a big breakfast for them, and she put the service up on the screen in the living room. They were all on the couches kind of waiting and watching, and she said it was amazing. Uh, several of them were emotional as Tim was speaking, and then at the end, you may remember Tim Tebow prayed, and he asked if anybody wanted to receive Christ to raise their hand, and she said it was so amazing. All of the boys, 14-year-old boys, heads bowed, hands raised up uh, during that prayer right in her living room, and she was so excited, and I think, man, how great is that? She set the table. That was my text back is, way to go. You didn't waste this opportunity. You set the table, and I would encourage you, if you're watching online, set the table, whatever that looks like. Maybe it's just sharing uh, this message right now, sharing the feed to your social media uh, platforms or whatever that might be, but let's not waste these opportunities. God is at work, and he's going to continue to be at work this weekend as we gather together. Hey, I don't know if you knew this or not. I know some of you, this may be a surprise, but there is an important, very important election coming up uh, this week on Tuesday. Uh, so some of you guys knew that. And uh, normally at Seacoast, we don't endorse candidates. You know, we've been going for 32 years and we don't make endorsements. We try to, uh, to just stay away from that, use this platform. But this, this weekend, uh, I've got to change things up a little bit. And I've run it by some wise counsel. Uh, this is an important deal. And uh, it's very important to me that we get this one Right, And so for the first time in the history of Seacoast, I am going to endorse a candidate right now on the platform. And I've got a picture of the candidate that I'm endorsing. I'm going to put up on the screen. <clears throat> That's my daughter, Greta Kate. She's running for student council president. Oh, you guys thought I was talking about the other election. There she is right there. Greta Kate, will you stand and wave to everybody? She's right, right there. Throwing her name in the hats. To be a leader in her school, and I endorse her wholeheartedly. She's, she's a great leader. Uh, you guys, it got real tense. I don't know how it felt at the campuses. We got real tense here for a few moments. Uh, but listen, seriously, we, we realize the importance of the election. Uh, we are praying uh, for the election, and I would encourage you guys as, as Christ followers to vote and to, to pray through uh, which candidate to vote for, look through the platforms, and be prayerful about that. That's a, a responsibility, a privilege that we have to do. Uh, But for 32 years, we have chosen not to endorse candidates on this platform, and I I stand by that. It's it's harder to do it. The bigger the church gets, the more influence that we have, the more pressure there is uh, to to stand up here and to endorse a candidate. But this is a platform that has been given to us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's what we're going to use this platform for. That doesn't mean we don't care. That doesn't mean that we're not. uh, Yeah, I think that's that's worthwhile. But what I do want us to do is I want us to pray. I want us to pray together uh, for, for the elections and pray that God's will would be done. Uh, God has lived through many, many, many regimes, uh, many, many nations, and, and he continues to stay on his throne. And so let's just pray and, and trust and believe that his will would be done in our country. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for this great country that we live in. We are so grateful, uh, those of us that live here in the US, and we just pray, Lord, for the elections this week. And we know Uh, That it has been very divisive. We know, Lord, what's at stake. We know that, uh, Lord, our country has gone through so much this last year. And we just pray, Lord, that you would reign on your throne. We pray, Lord, that you would establish the leader that you've called to to lead us in this next season. And as Christ followers, that we would live with a deep, abiding sense of trust in you. Uh, Lord, that you are our ultimate hope. You are our ultimate king. You are our ultimate leader. And so, Lord, we just trust you. And we pray, Lord, that your will would be done, that your kingdom would come in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, how many of you have ever traveled outside of uh, the country that you live in? Just by show of hands. How many of you have ever done that? Okay, wow, a lot of people have traveled to other countries. I have had the privilege and opportunity to do that a number of times. Often it's with a mission trip here at Seacoast. We send out lots of mission trips. Obviously, none of us have been traveling much in the last few months, and we hope and pray that those opportunities will come again soon. But when we go on a mission trip, it's very important to us that any team that we're taking, we do a session in our training on cross-cultural uh, training. Because how many of you know there are different cultures and different customs, and what's normal to you and me here isn't normal to other people. And that's true of your own home, by the way. Some of y'all got some things that are normal to you, but they're weird to the rest of us. That's okay. That's, that's how things work. And so we'll do cross cultural training. And for, for example, we, we send a lot of teams to Africa, and there are certain parts of Africa that there's a hand symbol that to you and I is very normal, and it's positive, but there it's, it's very offensive. And that hand signal is a thumbs up. If you're watching in Africa right now, I apologize already for doing this. And, and, and if you don't know this, you can offend people. To us, thumbs up means, yeah, everything's good. We're, we're good. In Africa, that means essentially up yours. And so you can imagine if somebody's like, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, it's like, no, no, no. So you have to know some of these things going in. And, and uh, Nicaragua, some of the Latin American countries, pointing is very offensive. And so you use softer hand, hand gestures and open-handed open, open hand, gestures. In Haiti, this is one of the most significant ones for me. I've been to Haiti a couple of times. And if you're walking in Haiti, like let's say we're touring an orphanage or we're serving in an orphanage or you know, we're, we're walking to a church, it is very normal for another man to walk up next to another man and grab their hand and walk with them. And it's just, it's a symbol of friendship. It's very normal. It's culturally okay. How many you know it's important to know that going into that environment, right? Because if I don't know that, I might throw a punch. It's like, I don't know what's going on. But here, you don't just go up and grab hands with a guy that you don't know. It's just its different, you know? And so it's important that you understand that. And man, some of us may have felt a little bit uneasy over the last couple of months, Some of us may even feel like, man, I feel like I'm living in a culture that I don't fully understand as things have changed and as stuff has happened. And here's why I share that with you. If you felt a little bit out of place in America, I just want to encourage you, that's that's a good thing, because did you know the Bible says that we are citizens of whatever nation that we're in? Yes, but our primary citizenship is in another kingdom called the kingdom of God that our primary citizenship is in heaven. And that's not just a future place for us. It is that, which is exciting. But the kingdom of God, Jesus came, and he talked about establishing the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. We're in a series called Royals. We've been studying leadership, looking at some of the great leaders of the Bible, some of the not so great leaders of the Bible. But for the next two weeks, we're gonna talk about Jesus, the, the unchanging king. We have ever-changing world that we live in but King Jesus is unchanging. And the kingdom that he came to establish has also got some unchanging principles. And so what I want us to do today is to go, okay, if our assignment as people who have dual citizenship, you know, some of y'all have always wanted a second home. The one you live in now is your second home. You can just go ahead, congratulations, you got a second home, because our primary home is in the kingdom of heaven. But what kind of kingdom did Jesus come to establish? And how can we do our part in bringing heaven to Earth, did you know that's our assignment? That, that Jesus has told He told us in the Lord's Prayer, right? To pray that God's kingdom come on Earth as it is in Heaven. And over and over and over again, He would say, "Hey, you've seen it done this way, but in the kingdom of God, this is how we do things." So if we're going to be the kind of people that bring a little bit of Heaven on Earth wherever we happen to be, what's it going to take? And it's great news because whoever wins the election on Tuesday, whether it's the candidate that you are pulling for and supporting or whether it's the candidate that you're not pulling for and supporting, we still can bring heaven on earth into our workplace, into our family, into our friendship circle. And so let's talk about what it looks like to do that. Three, three important principles if we're going to see heaven come to earth. In order for his kingdom to come, number one, I must know my kingdom Identity. I must know my kingdom identity. What, 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 what am I talking about there? Let me read a couple of passages to you. Second Corinthians 5, 17. Paul's talking to the church of Corinth and he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. So knowing my kingdom identity knows that or is, is knowing that I am not defined by the old I'm not defined by maybe some mistakes that I've made in my past. I'm not defined by maybe something that was done to me in my past. I'm I'm defined, I'm a new creation in Christ. And it's so hard for us to get that because we are still so closely connected to that old one that it's easy to take our identity from that life and not to understand that we are a new creation. And that means that we take on the identity that God has given us through Jesus Christ. What is that identity? Look, I love the way Peter says it in 1 Peter 2.9. He says, but you, and I want you to put your name there. If you're a follower of Christ, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You are. You're a priesthood. You don't have to wear the collar, but you are a priesthood. The Bible says that we are ambassadors of Christ, which means that we are representatives in this culture that is not our own. We've come as representatives of of Jesus, that we are forgiven, that we're loved, that we're chosen, that we are heirs to to the inheritance that God has for us. We have to know our kingdom identity if we're going to bring a little bit of heaven on earth. And here's the problem with our kingdom identity. I can tell you that, and you can believe it here in church, but a lot of us leave church and we we put back on our, our other identities. There are a lot of things that are tempted to define who we are, right? I mean, there I think about myself. I wear a lot of different hats. I wear a lot of different hats. Sometimes we're tempted to uh, to be defined by our our work hat, right? This is my seacoast, that's a camouflage seacoast hat. And and part of who I am is a pastor at Seacoast Church. That's where I go every uh, morning to work. That's, that's, that's the, the area that I lead. And, and one of the ways that I'm defined is by my work hat, my Seacoast hat. But guess what? That's not my primary identity. That's a secondary identity. And a couple of other identities that I have, I've got this one as my, my Cubs identity. I'm a Cubs fan, proud of a, the Cubs. I know we didn't win it this year, but, but we won it four years ago for the first time in hundreds of years. And so I love that. But it's, it's not my primary identity. Identity, right? It's, it's not the main thing that defines me. I, I also, uh, pro- <laughs> come on somebody. Oh my goodness. <sighs> never in question yesterday, never in question. But I, I love my tigers, right? And that's, that's an identity. But, but my primary identity, primary identity is none of those. Those are all important. But we gotta know what first defines us because what first defines us will inform all the rest of the things that we're a part of. And if I'm, a, if I'm a Cubs fan first, then when they win, I'm on high, and when they lose, I'm in the pits, right? But if I'm a, primarily a Christ follower, this is my primary identity, love God, love people, this is who I am, primary, then that informs everything else. And so I'm not a, a, a Republican and then a Christian or a Democrat and then a Christian. I'm a Christ follower first, and that will inform how I see my values, all of that. I, I, that comes first. And it's so easy to wear this mask in church, but man, we get out in the world and it's like, ah, I don't know if I want to wear this mask first because that, that means I'm going to have to act in a certain way. It means I don't have to treat people in a certain way. This happened to me. I was flying home from Colorado this summer with our family. And uh, some of you saw this on Morning Encouragement a couple months ago, but I was coming in and our flight got delayed. There was weather. Then our flight got canceled. I had to get in this long line in the airport. I think I was in, Philadelphia or Pittsburgh or somewhere up there trying to find our way home. My family all went to get Chick-fil-A. I stood in a line of about 15, 20 people, and there were two people at the front, two gate agents that were helping people get their flights figured out. The line took forever, probably 45 minutes to an hour. I'm standing in that line. It's one line, two people. So the first person in line would go to the next open agent. Well, as I'm getting up there, I'm the second person in line. I look to my right, and this woman has walked up, and she's formed a new line right next to me in front of one of the gate agents. And I'm like, oh, no, girl, Uh -uh. this ain't going down like this. And so I'm sitting here. I'm thinking, how am I going to deal with this situation? And then I remember I am wearing this mask that says, love God, love people. And so what did I do? I turned over this way. And I got back in line. Because in that moment, I didn't want to be defined by love, God, love people. I wanted to tell her I want to be defined by an angry man who had been waiting for 45 minutes to get my gate changed and go get some Chick-fil-A. And so I turned my mask around and I was thinking through how I was going to handle this situation, what I was going to tell her. Thankfully, when the next gate agent opened up, she looked at this woman and she goes, oh, no, sweetie, Uh, you're going to have to go to the back of the line. Sir, you're up next. I was like, oh, thank God. Thank God. Now. Some of you are judging me right now, and you have done much worse things. Okay, you have done much worse things. But if we were all honest, there are times we don't want to be identified by our, 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 our primary identity because it's harder that way. If I had left that mask up, if I had kind of allowed that identity to be more than something on my, my mask that I was wearing, but to inform how I would treat people, then I would have had to figure out a way to, to handle that situation while remaining true to my primary identity. And, and that's a lot more difficult. It's doable, but it's a lot more difficult. See, there are times we just wanna strip off that kingdom identity and go, you know what? I'm gonna speak my mind, and I'm gonna win this fight, and I'm gonna, you know, and, and man, if we're gonna bring heaven on earth, if, if my primary thought was, man, how do I bring heaven in this situation? Maybe I handle that a little bit differently. Maybe I think through what this woman's needs are and actually go, hey, ma'am, I don't know what's going on, but obviously you're in a bigger hurry. Why don't you take my, you know, there, I could have handled it differently. But I chose not to. And it's so easy for us to get out of here on the weekends after singing about how great our God is and being a house of miracles and seeing his kingdom come and then forgetting our kingdom identity. If we're gonna see heaven come on earth, then we've got to know that we know that we know who we are first. And friends, if you are here and you've given your life to Christ, your kingdom identity as a son or daughter of God you have the opportunity, the privilege to represent him in all kinds of different situations, to, to, to love him, to love people. And, and man, if, if you're here today and you've made that decision, one of the easiest ways and first things that we do as followers of Christ is to identify with him in baptism. I think we have a picture of somebody getting baptized today. I love it because this is what it looks like to Make your primary identity in Christ. But to come out and to say, man, I am a follower of Christ. And listen, baptisms are happening today at all of our campuses. And if you have given your life to Christ, maybe you struggle a little bit with kind of how do I live out that identity during the week? What a great way to establish, to draw a line in the sand and say, you know what? I'm going public as a follower of Christ. I'm putting that hat on. I'm putting that jersey on first so that I can know that I know and that others will know I'm a follower of Christ. We've got everything that you need to do it here and at the campuses. If you're online, let us know in the chat. We'll help you figure it out. If you're close to a campus, we'll come help you do that safely. If not, we'll talk you through doing it at home. But, but why not go public? Jesus said, first thing, repent and be baptized. Being buried with him in his death, sins washed away, and, and come out of that thing in new life, remembering that I'm a new creation in Christ. So if I'm gonna bring heaven on earth, I first have to know my kingdom identity. Second thing that I have to do if I'm gonna bring heaven to earth is I must practice kingdom values. Practice kingdom values. What are kingdom values? Well, there are lots of them. We could do a series. We could go probably a year talking about kingdom values. But there was this moment in in Jesus' life where a teacher of the law came to him. And said, Hey, what's the most important? Will you boil it down? Will you make it clear for us? What's the, the most important commandment of all of those commandments? And Jesus answered him in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself. He says, All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God and love other people. That ought to be the, the, the guiding force of our lives. Now, love can be difficult at times. If you've had children that you've had to discipline, love, love doesn't mean that you're a total pushover. Love doesn't mean that you don't have other values and don't have beliefs and don't stand firm on those beliefs. But what Jesus is saying as if ever you're in a place where it's it's confusing to you, or it's a little jumbled up for you, or you're not sure what the right then then filter your actions and your values through these two first. Okay, so I got to love God, and I've got to love other people. That should inform how I live out my life. I've got to practice kingdom values. There's all kinds of values throughout Scripture. You've got the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love and joy and peace, patience kindness, self-control. You've got the 10 commandments that teach us you know, that we are not to have other gods before God. We're not to have idols and we don't kill, we don't steal, we don't commit adultery. There's lots and lots of, of, of scripture that points us to how we live our life day in and day out. But Jesus says, man, at the end of the day, the most important, the primary is that we love God and we love people. See, I think sometimes we, we mix this up. Our values are for the sake of building people up, not tearing people down. And I, I, frankly, as, as your pastor, I've seen this happen over and over and over again in our communities, in our world. I saw a great a video a few weeks ago, the guy talking about the movie Batman versus Superman. Anybody see that movie, Batman versus Superman? So we got a few superhero people. I'm not a real big superhero movie guy, But man, it made so much sense. You have these two characters, right? Both of whom are shaped by their beliefs and by their values. Both of whom's values have been shaped uh, through experiences and trauma that they've gone through in their life. But in this movie, what happens is there's a third character. Lex Luthor is his name. And he begins to take those values that they have and he, and he causes them to weaponize them. He fuels them with anger. And at the end of the day, these two people with great values end up fighting and, and potentially destroying each other. So I went and watched the movie and you watch this scene where they're fighting each other and it is so disappointing and so underwhelming. There's something about you that's like, man, really? These are two great people and they're, they're killing each other. And I think that's kind of the point that we should feel. And, and what I've seen happen is as we, a lot of us, even in the church community, we've got these great values and these great beliefs, but we've begun to, to weaponize them and to turn on people. We're using our values to tear people down instead of to build people up. And this happened all throughout Scripture as well. If you look at several stories in the life of Jesus, there's this one group of people and they had strong values that you shouldn't commit adultery, monogamy, which is a very good value to have. Jesus agreed with them on their value, but then how they enforce that value when they caught a woman who was stuck in the act of adultery and they pulled her out and embarrassed her in front of an entire group of people, and then they poised themselves with stones and they were getting ready to take her life by stoning her all because of the right value, all because they they were right about Scripture. But what did Jesus do? He stepped in to that situation. And he remembered that the most important commandments are to love God and love people. And this woman was not being loved at all in this moment. And he said, you know what? How about those of you that don't have any sin? You throw the first stones. In other words, he was saying, hey, do you want me to start sharing all of your sins? Because he knew them. <laughs> you want me to go to, you know, because we all fall short. And, and, and they were weaponizing their value to try to destroy somebody. And Jesus said, no, we're not, we're not gonna do that. It happened with the Sabbath. You know, the Sabbath is a great value. And there are people that, that, and we should too, the Sabbath is for us, it's gonna help us. And there's this moment where there's a man who's crippled in his hand and he's, he's, he, can't, he can't use his hand and he's at the synagogue on the Sabbath and, and Jesus looks at him with compassion and then the people around him are like, wait a minute, we all know that you can't work on the Sabbath and that includes healing somebody. You can't do it. But Jesus in that moment, he said, no, no, the Sabbath is not to do evil. It's to do good. And he had the man stretch out his hand and he healed him in that moment because our values should help us to love people better. And again, sometimes that means speaking the truth. Sometimes that means correcting a believer who's in sin. And, and, but, but we got to do it with the, the goal and the effort not to win a fight or to win an election, but to, to love people well. And, you know, um, Peter, right values, cut off a guy's ear because he was enraged and, he was, and Jesus corrected him and said, no, no, put the sword away. We're not doing that. And, and here's what I've seen happen over and over and over again in these last few weeks, last few months, really. So man, we got people with the right values, but we're weaponizing them and we're using them to tear each other apart. And, and you may value justice, right? Jesus valued justice. Jesus died for us on a cross because of his value for justice. Jesus was all about justice. But when that value leads you to hurt other people or destroy people's property or do what you yeah, then, then we've it stopped being a value and it started to be a weapon that we're using to tear people down. And, and that can go for all kinds of different issues. We value life. We've talked about that. We value life. You know what the value of life has done at Seacoast? It's caused us to to donate to Low Country Crisis Pregnancy Center, to walk with them, to encourage them, to help other, to help women who are in difficult spots trying to figure out what to do. We wanna give them resources to make the best choice for them. The value of life caused us to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to open up a, a foster care uh, office here in Charleston with the goal to eradicate foster care in all of the Low Country because, man, we want these kids to get in homes that will love them, that will support them. Use the value to, yes, stand for your beliefs, but to do something to love other people. And that's, that's when our values, and when our values start to hurt other people, then they become weapons. And again, we've seen over and over where Jesus steps in and goes, no, let's, let's not do that. Let's not do that. Let's love people well. Let's not weaponize our values. And I just would ask you, is there an area maybe where you've allowed your values to become a weapon? You know, kingdom values, we got to practice kingdom values, and it starts with loving people, loving God and loving people. And for most of us, I would just kind of meddle a little bit and say most of the time, the weaponizing starts in our head. Maybe you found yourself kind of fuming over somebody that you met. You realize they're voting different than you, and you're like, oh, those, you know what? And it's like you start in your own head. Why don't we catch ourselves with that? Go, You know what? I'm going to honor people. I'm gonna, I'm gonna value people. I'm gonna love people well. And if we'll do that, then we get to bring a little bit of kingdom into our environments, into our relationships. So we gotta, we gotta know our kingdom identity. I pray that we would leave here knowing who we are in Christ. We gotta practice kingdom values. And all of our values are gonna lead us to love God better and to love people better. By the way, at Inside Track, we talk about this in week three One of our culture, we have four cultural values for our staff and for anybody who's a leader at Seacoast. And the first two are love God and love people. I'll tell our team, you are of no good to this church that we're trying to serve if you're not growing in your relationship with Christ, if you're not growing in your love for God. And we are of no good to the people that we're trying to serve if we're not loving people. That doesn't mean you have to be a people person. It just means that God has called you. We have a responsibility to love other people. People. And then the third thing for us, I'm not going to go into the other two cultural values. Come to Inside Track week three if you want to know what they are. But the third thing for us, if we're going to see heaven on earth, is I must embrace kingdom attitudes. I must embrace kingdom attitudes. Look at what Paul said in Ephesians 4 1. He said, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you, to lead a life worthy of your calling. What a great plea for us today. I beg you, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Again, he goes to the identity first. He says, yeah, I'm Paul, but number one, I'm a prisoner for Christ. I may be a prisoner in this jail, but my identity is as a prisoner for Christ. That's what shapes Who I am, that's what shapes the kind of attitude that I'm gonna have. And he says, I'm begging you guys to know that you're called, to live a life worthy of your calling. And then he lays out four kingdom attitudes. There are a whole lot more than that. But I think these four would serve us well, especially this week. He says, always be humble. Always be humble. First kingdom attitude, humility. When? Always. (laughs) Always. What about when our nation's falling apart and we're divided about issues? Always, always be humble. What does humility mean? It doesn't mean that we think less of ourselves. It just means that we think of ourselves less, that we choose to love others, that, man, we don't have to be right in every argument. We don't have to win every battle. That we say, you know what? God, help me to be humble in my conversations, in my posts, in the way that I interact with, with other people in my workplace. Kingdom attitude, humility. I don't have to win every argument. I don't have to be right all the time. I love one of my dad's phrases that he's used over the years. He says, uh, when, you're, when you're in a heated conversation, or we call it intense fellowship uh, in our marriage, uh, that, that there's this phrase that says, you know what? You might be right. And, and you know what that does? Is it just says, okay, I'm gonna be humble here. You, you might Be right. I could be wrong. I'm not going to force my way into winning this argument because so many times we win an argument, but we lose the bigger battle. We lose the war. So always be humble and always be gentle. Gentle gentleness. That's a kingdom attitude. That's an attitude that we could use a little bit more of in our culture, couldn't we? You know what the Bible says about gentleness? It says that a gentle answer turns away wrath. Wrath. It doesn't mean that a gentle answer will always lead you to the conflict being resolved, but a gentle answer will will lead you to an environment where it's gonna be much more likely for you to resolve the conflict. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Man, that that right there could save a marriage. That right there could save a friendship. If you just knew that, man, every time that you are worked up and you read that person's post and you're writing out your reply, (laughs) what if you filtered that through? A gentle answer Turns away. It doesn't mean that you're forsaking your beliefs. It doesn't mean that you don't stand firm on your values. But your attitude could be a kingdom attitude of gentleness. It'll help you go a lot further in relationships. He says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Come on, somebody. 2020 has called for more patience, right? We all could use a little bit more patience. It's a kingdom attitude, it's fruit of the spirit. Be patient. That means that you know, you're gonna get frustrated. You know, Anytime I think about patience, I think about the word frustration. Where am I frustrated at right now? It's probably an area that God is developing patience in my life. I'm in a hurry, he's not. I'm in a hurry, my wife's not. I'm, you know, I'm in a hurry, my boss isn't, right? Be patient. When? Always, always. And then he says, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Making allowance. For, that's a kingdom attitude. Making allowance for each other's faults. And then he says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, building yourselves together with peace. Humility, gentleness, patience, making allowance for each other. You know, word that is used for that is Tolerance which is a word that's just been jacked up by our culture, right? We've, we've, our culture claims to be tolerant, yet we'll cancel anybody who doesn't agree with us, right? That's, that's what tolerance looks like right now. But that, this is a biblical definition, which is just making allowance for each other's faults. Let me break some news to you guys. There's, this is not a perfect church. You're sitting in rows with people that, that are dealing with stuff, that are making some mistakes. And guess what? If it was perfect, it wouldn't have been anymore when you got here, because you're the same. I'm the same, right? We've all fallen short. And, and what the Bible is saying, what Paul is admonishing us there is, man, give the spirit a little bit of room to work on people. This isn't a place that you have to have your act together, that you have to come. It's, it's absurd to think that, that you would have to come in here and we all have to be united and believe the exact same things in order to worship together. No, this is a place where there is, there's room for you to be wrestling through and working out your faith with Jesus. You would never go, you know what? I know I'm bleeding uh, out of my arm, but I gotta get this bleeding stopped before I go to the hospital. <laughs> no, you go. And we have a, a great physician, a great healer who will gently bandage, bandage us up. And there are some of us that are here, we got beliefs that are wrong. We got habits that are wrong. We got stuff that's wrong. You don't need me to tell you the stuff that you're doing wrong. You already know it. But the Holy Spirit is, is at work and he's, leading us, and he's correcting us. And we can bring a little bit of heaven on the earth when we realize I don't have to fix everybody's problems. I don't have to make sure everybody believes the exact same way I do. And as I'm parenting teenagers now, or a teenager and more to come, I'm realizing that, that making allowance, there are some things that they're just gonna have to figure out in their own way. And, 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 and I gotta be wise about what those things are, right? But there are some things that if I force it, then it's, it's not gonna serve that relationship well. And so y'all, I, I just, I wanna say beg, I plead with you as we move into this crazy week. I don't know what's gonna happen on Tuesday. I really don't. I, I don't know who our president is gonna be. I don't know how long it's gonna take to figure that out. I don't know what kind of civil unrest might come up as a result of that. And I can't control any of that. But you know what we can do? We can be prayerful about all of that. And we can create little pockets of heaven on earth anywhere that we go, and we can be a people who know who we are in Christ, who bring about and practice kingdom values, and we can, we can embrace kingdom attitudes, and we're gonna see heaven come on earth, and we're gonna see lives changed, and we're gonna see people pointed to a hope that is so much greater than anything else that we could hope for. And so that's my encouragement for us, and that's what I pray that we'll do as a church. Will you guys pray, pray with me as we close? God, I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for this incredible church. I'm grateful for this group of people. God, I'm grateful for your word. I'm grateful for our country. And I'm grateful for an unchanging king, Jesus, who continues to reign on his throne. And so God, I pray that you would help us be a body that is unified. God, who uh, is patient, who makes allowance for each other's faults. Lord, who, who love each other well, and who love you well. And I pray that you would help us to know who we are in you. I thank you, God, that none of that is because of what we've done, Lord, but it's because of what you have done, Jesus. So thank you that we are called, that we are chosen, Lord, that we are sons, we are daughters, we are ambassadors of you. Help us to live like that this week. Help us to bring a little bit of your kingdom into our homes. Bring a little bit of your kingdom into our workplaces. Bring a little bit of your kingdom into every area that we walk. God, we just pray that you would help us with this. We pray, Lord, that you would forgive us, those of us that are you know, just coming with, with heavy hearts. Lord, we know we've maybe been having attitudes that don't line up with your kingdom. And I thank you that, Lord, a kingdom principle is that, Lord, it's your grace and your mercy that you forgive. Willingly forgive us. Lord, we put our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.